to the Dev Jambio Podcast. My name is Sean and joining me as always is the only Dante Boff, Mr. Boff, my man. How are we? Sean, I'm excellent. <laughs> I'm excellent. How are you? I'm good. I can't believe we like we decided to record this and it's obviously a couple of days later than usual, but we decided to record and uh, forgive me, but we, we've actually planned it during the Celebrity and, and Rising Stars game during the All-Star Weekend and I thought... Crap, Dante's going to miss out on like the two biggest events for All Star Weekend. Is he? Is, should we reschedule? Like, what should we do here? And uh, big, big mm. shout out to Alex Toussaint for winning the Celebrity MVP for 2022. That's um, that's that's a pretty pretty big time from from Alex. Yeah, the the All Star Weekend does itself no favors. Like, it's people- so shit. <laughs> it fucking sucks. I, I like the three point contest, and I think I've liked it more recently because there's always been at least one Splash Brother in there. Yeah. Um, but it's getting harder and harder. Like, you know. It's like Davis Bertans and Patty Mills and stuff. And it's like, that's awesome. Like, you know, Marco Bellinelli won it one year and all that. But um, that that's like the reason I watch it. Like, do you do you like the Elam ending? Are you going to tune in to see Kyle Larry take a charge at the end of the game? Like, we know that they're not going to try 100%. This isn't going to be like the product that we that we all think it is on 2K, you know? Yeah. No, I, I mean, the Elam ending is like, was good two years ago when they first did it. And then last year it was kind of like same old. Did they play last year with the pandemic? Or maybe 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 three years ago when they first did it, they'd done two Elam endings, and the second Elam ending was like not as good, um, because everyone was like, oh, like you know the 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 luster of the Nick, first Elam, <laughs> yeah, like it's 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 kind of like worn off, and it's like oh, it's the All Star game again, like no no one's fucking playing, like these are by virtue of it being like the All Star the All Star game with like the best of the best who generally are on the best teams like mm. they all have you know business to attend to post All Star game so no one's going to like try mm. not least of which to like risk injury but also just like you want to rest you want to break you want to yeah. run around for half an hour and like actually try yeah, so yeah. no one's going to and usually that's fine because you just get like some sick dunks and some cool alley-oops and you know, in years past, like, and in, in years past, I mean, like, eight plus years ago, like, the dunk contest would, like, make up for that. It would compensate. Mm. Um, and now it just doesn't compensate whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, once Scano Anderson, like, he's... Literally, like, <laughs> like what? Like, he's ground down. Yeah, and his best dunks have been posters that are, like, tip dunks and stuff. It's like, yeah. oh, he's got the runway to run up to it. Like, yeah. he's, I was looking at his dunk highlights because the Warriors shared it, like, in, in anticipation for the dunk contest. And he's not a flashy dunker. He's just, like, an average NBA dunker. Yeah, and it's, it's not even, like, you know how some guys, they'll just, like, slam it, and you just get that beautiful, crisp sound. And it's yeah. like, okay, this guy's dunking. Like, Ger- Gerald Green, obviously, he's a flashy dunker, but, like, when he dunks it, you can just hear it through yeah. the net. And it's like, okay, that's... There's something special with those kind of guys. And like every every year, there's always like Andre Drummond or something like that where it's like, he's not one of the, like, you're not that guy, pal. It's like, there's <laughs> there's guys like that who just aren't flashy dunkers in, in general. And what are they doing? Like, what what, I, what are we expecting here? Like, I, I tell you what, my prediction- Fucking this, this is going to come Edmund out Summer. tomorrow. Edmund Sumner. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're it wasn't ago. Edmund, it was Cassius, Cassius yeah, Stanley. Yeah, Edmund Sumner's good, man. Well, Edmund Sumner in a dunk contest would be almost as much of a travesty as Cassius Stanley. Yeah. But Cassius Stanley was Cassius Stanley was a two-way player, and Obi Toppin was a rookie. Was that the same? Was yeah, the same? Yeah. Obi Toppin was a rookie. who was averaging like four points a game, and it's like this is the dunk contest, baby, and. You know, like before people at me and say like Jamie Evans averaging like one point a game. Jamie Evans, you know, has one of the greatest 
highlights of this century <laughs> in NBA basketball in yeah. like 2011 with his block on Ronnie Turiaf and then dunk on the other end. Like Jeremy Evans was a superlative athlete mm. dunker. Mm. Ivy Toppin, yeah, he's I, good I, on him. Mate. I actually, I've got no problem with getting like a two-way guy or just like a. Uh, I I have a problem with it. Well, I just I don't have a problem with it because they're not going to get. Like Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine are the best players. You no, can but get. that's the like that. I guess then that's the point. Like I'm not willing to take a step back and say like in the context of players who might consider yeah. this is a good person to get. No, it's the All Star Weekend. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. for the people who are the best at the things. It would be. Like, not, it would be it? no, <laughs> no. But 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 the dunk the dunk contest the, is the, the one. Rookie shit, man. The dunk contest is the one skill is the one skill thing where the, um, like imagine in, imagine if they just ended up getting like. Oh, like the, the yeah. What if in the three point contest they're like, yeah, this this dude hit thirty seven percent. Ah, this dude hit thirty four. Like, yeah, we're gonna get those guys in. Like, it's like okay, cool. Like Justin Holiday's in the in the three point nah, contest because like you know like the, Bradley not, Beal will shoot like thirty five percent. No, but what, okay, but someone who's like not <laughs> Trevor Ariza. Yeah, who's the who's the equivalent? Like someone who's like below league average at at doing it. In the skills challenge, usually not that anyone cares about the skills <laughs> challenge, but like usually with the exception this year of fucking Jared Allen being in the skills challenge. Um, even when they've done bigs versus smalls, like the last couple of years, like it's, the bigs is like Giannis, Jokic, Sabonis. It's yeah. like people who are actually yeah. skilled. Yeah, okay. Like the people in the dunk contest are like semi aren't even good dunkers. Well, that's I, I usually don't have a problem with it because I, I don't get too rolled up about it, but this has really struck a chord with you. Well, and do you want, do you want to know the most absolutely <laughs> whack... Thing. Is it the Antetokounmpo's versus the Cavs versus That's the people? That's pretty No, from the fucking um, from the from the from the celebrity game today. I just like was on Instagram on my break at work, and the first thing that pops up is like the NBA posting this this um reposting this this uh, dunk, and it's by Gianmarco Tamberi. You know who that is? No. Me either, and so I'm like, <laughs> wait, who who is that? I click on his, I click on his tag. It's the fucking guy, the Italian guy that won joint gold in the high jump in the Olympics. Oh, the one who yeah, they did yeah, the deal yeah. to like split it, yeah. and then he's like jumping around, <laughs> With the guy. and he fucking lost his mind. Yeah, and the yeah, other yeah. guy's just wearing his sunglasses, and he's like, yeah, he's like cool, far out. That's and then sick. this guy, he, and he. <laughs> He's in the fucking celebrity game. Yeah. This Italian guy yeah. is in the celebrity game. Anyway, the dunk was sick. He like keep getting them checks. <laughs> he he obviously he's a high jump, the best high jump in the world. He got up. He he, he Yeah. Put whatever. Back. But I, I tell you what, I'm not gonna say it. You honestly you should. If there's one thing that you should see, um, is that also Miles Garrett, who's like one of the best um, NFL players, like fucking just demolished Quavo. Yeah, sick. I reckon you might be able to demolish Quavo in the celebrity game, but like the celebrity game should be for, for um, Kevin Hart, where it's like, oh, you hit a three, and then he like makes a joke with Charles Barkley. Like that's yeah. We don't need it to be yeah. I just I just feel like the Rachel A. Demeter played one year. Yeah, well, well, actually, shout out to Remy Picciani. Um, who we have a, a long running joke about <laughs> like three or four years ago in the um, in the celebrity game Quavo life comes at you fast <laughs> Quavo blocked the shit out of Rachel Demeter like he fucking swatted yeah, yeah, yeah. her out of bounds like it was like it was brutal she was like 
running in for like an open lap and he just comes BAM and then he repo he posted that on his Instagram with the caption in all caps and with like double spacing between the letters he was like sorry Rachel with the hand emoji <laughs> that's rad um, yeah so anyway that's you know Quavo now on the receiving end of a pretty vicious block from Miles Garrett um, so what, what I love about the All-Star Weekend is literally just watching Jokic and like Jokic I think What's so infectious about the way he plays is that, infectious. is that he does things that you just don't even think are possible. But also half the shit he does is like, oh, hang on, he's a little bit of a tubby white dude. And he's just like, he'll get three rebounds, just trying to tip the ball up and back and up and back. And he comes down and he's like, oh, like he's so exhausted. And it's just like, it's super relatable, but then he does superhuman stuff. And obviously like, you know, 35, 17, 8, one turnover sort of shit, right? Yeah. Um, like I'm not, I'm not trying to discredit him, MVP. But... I love how like how real he plays in the NBA, and then when it comes to the All Star Weekend, he started for I think like this is his third year now, right? He starts, and people are like, "Jokic is there!" Like we voted him in, and every single time he gets voted in, and he like he gets it there from both fans and and coaches. He he says to the coach, he's like, "Can you just play me ten minutes?" And if you watch him, like he doesn't give a fuck. He is this conversation right now. Like he comes down and he goes, ah, ah, ah. he has a laugh, but then he doesn't get back on defense. And then like, he'll get the ball and everyone's like, oh, it's the all-star game. Steph's threes, LeBron's dunks, Jokic passes and Jokic just swings it. Like he yeah. honestly gets about five But also points. Jokic is like, Jokic's game, like there's not really like a level. Yeah. To, there's not really like a level to go to. Like it's not like he's going to like break out the windmill. Mm. Well, it's, it's like when Rudy Gobert's there, it's like, oh, hey, hey. Wait, just these off on numbers are at the end of the first quarter. Like yeah. he just locked down Westbrook. Um, but yeah, so so Jokic like just plays 10, 15 minutes a game, even though he's starting. And he's like, I don't, I don't want to be here, man. Like I'm, I would love to go back to Serbia for two weeks, but no, I have to fucking be here because you guys are fucking asked me. Yeah. I, I love that. I love, I love watching him in the All Star game. Then again, watching highlights because I'm not actually watching the whole. Game. Yeah, yeah. My my days of my days of sitting down to watch the All Star. I mean, to be fair, I watched it last year with friend of the pod Alessio. We sat down, gave it a good watch, and had a good laugh. Well, he made uh, miso tuna steaks. Yeah. So would you have been doing it if there was no miso tuna steaks involved? I don't know. No, nah, I mean, like, yeah, I'm not, you not needed to do something whilst whilst there were steaks or cooking. I'm not, I'm not watching it by myself. Um, yeah, I think. Um, just on this Jokic topic, moving slightly away from the All Star game, twice in the last month he's had an absolute fucking dime to an open three point shooter, a three point shooter who's like not that open mm. at the end of the game. Um, Monty Morris most recently and Aaron Gordon like a month ago. Yeah, they've drained it. Yeah, well, Aaron Gordon's a much improved shooter, and it obviously helps when Jokic just spoon feeds you like beautiful looks all the time. Yeah. Um. So it's like, yeah, he's he's just making these guys a career, making him a salary, and just making them make open shots. Um. But Jokic, like, so he's had two game winner assists. He's had three game winning blocks. Mm. Um. It's just it's so Jokic just to like do incredible stuff that's just probably not going to go as noticed as if you're just like trying to three to win the game yeah well I, I wonder as well like just the thought that's popped into my head if if there's a few more moments like down the track Ooh, where he passed this conversation no, going? it's going it's not going where you think it's going where he you know like passes off to a shooter at the end of the game mm-hmm. if the shooter misses and it happens like once or twice if there's no like NBA commentary at uproar about the best player in the league passing off at the end of the game when he should be closing like Jokic is in clutch mm. then it really does speak to how warped 
the LeBron discourse mm. of like 10 years ago yeah. was yeah. where it was like LeBron would like you know at the end of the game would like create an open three for a 40% three point shooter mm. completely open and then he'd miss it and people would be like LeBron's a bitch like LeBron <laughs> and like not even like fringe not even like people on blogs like fucking you know respected NBA people would be like LeBron just doesn't have that clutch yeah. that clutch gene LeBron in Miami would do that yeah and There'd be a couple times every year he'd like create an amazing look for the end of the game, like someone, like you know, a couple times someone missed it. And people were like saying all of that shit, like he didn't, as like a twenty-four-year-old, like hit some of the greatest buzzer beaters you've ever fucking seen. Mm. That one against the one against Orlando, he had a couple against Detroit, like mm. you know, like literally like Damian Lillard level playoff buzzer beaters. Yeah. Um, that that fucking was it against Orlando where he scored the last twenty eight points in the game <laughs> the Cavs and then he hit a buzzer beating three yeah, from like yeah. forty and then people are like nah he passed it off to Mario Chalmers like he's he's not yeah, clutch yeah 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 um, it, it is it is incredibly stupid like remember in the last no dance, like I just think no one will ever be treated stupid, that yeah. way again because like it, it just it, it hasn't happened yeah with with any of the the you know the high level stars like. yeah yeah well look at like michael jordan and you watch the last dance i had to fucking sit through 15 minutes of people explaining to me that when michael jordan's doubled john paxson's open in the corner and like that's just an instant read today and like with Jokic and stuff like obviously Jokic had the ball he hadn't been doubled all game but he knew that golden state were going to shoot themselves yeah it's kevon looney and like one toscano anderson guarding him yeah so he knew that he's going to draw the double get the wide open three but like it was just like unfathomable for Michael Jordan to pass the ball off and I think like LeBron yeah was the turning point because you've got those old heads up up at you know TNT who are like you know it was everyone though yeah but you know it was genuinely like like mainstream like smart NBA media it's yeah and it's it's something unquantifiable which means they don't have to defend it as as much as they would have to defend other takes where you can read it but yeah like it's like oh pass the ball to John Paxson and it's like nah fuck you Phil like you're an idiot it's like that's it's so it's so simple Mm. it's like Italian cooking huh (laughs) simple the better hey what's it what's what's the key ingredient in a good sauce Uh, red thyme Oh, yeah. that's that's nice. Yeah, some things you can't rush. <laughs> some things you can't rush. I thought you were making a time joke, but whatever. No, nah, literally, and just not you're, even you're talking a bigger about. Man. Not talking about herbs. Not talking about spices. I'm just talking about good old fashioned ticks on the clock. Um, I wanted to tell a story which I can tell later because I want to like off like off air. Or? No, 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 later on the pod because this you know let's let's just sort of run through this as we do. Uh, we we can hit the intro in the middle of the pod because I want to keep going with this Jokic discussion. Because um, watching Nikola Jokic just absolutely kill my Golden State Warriors the other day for the final game before the All Star break, it's like Nikola Jokic is in the discussion to win a second MVP. If I had to bet a picnic with you on it, I would say he no, will. What are we betting these days? Oh, chop carob bears. If I had to... What? No, betting bang Pico mint chocolate. Yeah. Um, I would say he wouldn't win it because I think just, you know, the national media is sick and tired of giving back-to-back MVPs without winning a, without winning a title like Giannis. Um, and people just love having the new story. It's like, oh, Joel gets it this year and blah, blah, blah. And, so on. I don't think he is going to win it, but I think he's got a very, very, very good case, if not a better case than he did last year to win it again. Um, and I, I remember watching Jokic when he was still, you know, still coming off the bench for Yusuf Nurkic or just just after he started. 
And, you know, we, we saw where the flaw, flaws were in his game, where he wasn't conditioned, he couldn't be bothered, he would check out as fast as possible, and if, if, if he got a turnover on offense, he would just do those Euro fouls at half court and then yell at the ref and get a tech right. And we know that he's just completely removed them from his game, and he's obviously an MVP, and he does everything perfect now. But this is, like, overcorrecting even more on the other side, because even last year, Jokic, like, if there was a way to just, like, cut a corner and say, okay, one game before the All-Star break or one game before the playoffs start... Let's just mail it in a little bit. Like, he's going to get his 20, 10, and 8 regardless. And it's like, fine. Like, you're, you're obviously Jokic and just wait until the bigger games come. But a day before the All-Star break, like, the, the final game before the All-Star break, and a lot of teams are just sleepwalking. And then, you know, we, we can talk about the Portland Trailblazers going on, like, 4-0 in the past week and stuff and beating LeBron and CJ Ellaby, who, all that sort of stuff. But that's also sort of got to do with the opponents just sort of mentally checking out before the All-Star mm. break. Jokic was playing against the Warriors, a Warriors team that was up full strength minus uh, Draymond Green. And Jokic went in there. Will Barton did everything in his power to lose that game. Um, I mean, Austin Rivers played well and, and Monty Morris played well, but the, the team wasn't like... The team was like most other teams in the, in the whole entire league, sleepwalking to the All-Star break. And Jokic just put in 100, 110% effort. He wasn't getting doubled all game until that very final position. And he just absolutely cooked the crap out of Golden State. And it's like, this is a dude who seriously, seriously cares about winning. Uh, and it's just really nice to see, like, come full circle from a guy who just really just wanted to check out to a guy who's, like, grinding at the very last second before he goes on holiday for two weeks. Um, and just like you know they're obviously eight games ahead of ahead of 500 right now which is just beautiful and a really good place to be considering there's no Jamal and there's no MPJ um, and I just thought I'd talk about that and if you've got anything to add on top of that well I think that the Embiid versus Jokic like MVP conversation because I think it's safe to say those are the top two mm. candidates because Steph has like dropped off quite significantly since the turn of the since Clay came back yeah bloody mm. fucking Clay <laughs> um there's there's some fucking monster shit going on there um I mean there's no Steph's, for Giannis Steph's well, dropped off Giannis Giannis has you know been incredible um 50 pace the other day but the Bucks kind of haven't been that good this year and they're not represented in the standings in a way that you would look at and say um, you know they're like an elite team and the thing that, like Jokic's case in like a conventional sense rests on the fact that the second and third best players haven't played this entire season like Michael Porter Jr. just discounting that Murray hasn't played mm-hmm. and that they're still like firmly in the mix for you know the players like it's literally just like the Russell Westbrook mm. the Russell Westbrook MVP season like rhetoric like you know obviously not triple double but that was like they were like that that Russ was like the lowest seeded MVP in yeah. 20 years when he won that they were like the sixth seed and mm. they were like wow he got like this scrub and like fucking this scrub into the playoff like that's the same Alex argu- yeah Alex Abrinas it's the same argument here except that like Jokic's numbers are just like historically great um in a way that feels substantial you know like obviously there's a conversation there to be had that was had many times about how substantial Russ's rebounding numbers were um Jokic currently has the the highest ever PR like Mm. ever um I think that that conversation about what's the the value of the performance that he's put in with the Nuggets on a wins and loss level because you mentioned to me before that um, 
the Nuggets currently have one win less. They're sixth in the West, and then the Sixers, who are third, in a very bunched up um, East, mm-hmm. and the Bucks are right there as well with with thirty six. So they're all kind of like in a little like cluster getting a little cluster the thing that separates out for me is that like the Bucks have been unhealthy the whole year like people in and out but for the most part like Drew Holiday's been there for like 75% of the game so it's Chris Middleton so it's Giannis so they've had the big three in place mm-hmm. um, obviously the Simmons thing is a complete wild card but Tob Harris all the role players in Philly have played like they've been you know healthy the entire time mm-hmm. obviously with the exception of like the COVID fucking fuckery <laughs> Jokic just hasn't had that like he has he at no point had a, a like a, a full team and he has at no like he's at, at many points had not even NBA caliber players like mm. outside of that COVID period um, you know people just you know, on the on the downswing rookies like fucking Austin Rivers you know mm. and he's still putting up the advanced numbers the, the traditional numbers and like enough to keep them in the playoff hunt so I don't think he'll get it either because I think the narrative is with Embiid after this like fucking incredible last six weeks that he's had. Mm. Um, especially if Harden comes comes in, yeah, and, like, they're probably gonna like be the two seed. Yeah, if they if they if they they they're high enough, it's like yeah, you, you, the best player on the third best team in the league. Like yeah. you, that's that's the MVP. Like you know, yeah, there's, yeah. there's pretty much no argument. I'm not even gonna mention that Devin Booker's name has name. <laughs> We're going into the MVP discussion. It's terrible. I mean, are you guys winning games? Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> do you do you honestly think that? Yeah, I think that I think Jokic. If the series ends today, I think Jokic should be the NBA. No, no, no. Do you do you think Devin Booker should? Oh be no, not at all. But like, no. do you do you think he should be an All NBA guard? I think he should. I think he belongs in the conversation. Mm. Um, I think he belongs in the conversation. I think this year, maybe more than other years, there's a few guards who've kind of like fallen off who'd be mainstays. Like Brad Beal's not in the conversation. Dame Lillard's not in the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of Booker or Paul will be All NBA. Yeah. Um, and it'll be like between him and uh, between one of them and like Zach Levine for the third spot. Yeah, I'd take Booker over Zach Levine in a heartbeat. Zach and Levine's I think has been really good. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> but like the, the All NBA kind of criteria is like wins yeah the best players from the best teams Zach Levine's been really good Devin Booker's also kind of um, done done uh, a Zach Levine and really committed on D this year like Devin Booker's like a genuinely good defender Dude, we, we say this all the time and like we, I say this all the time with, with other people and, and you hear it but the the team USA bump like honestly it's real man. don't talk to Bill Simmons about the Team USA seriously bump. like every single person that goes into Team USA comes out either a breakout year but no one gets better no who's that fucking random cunt from the Spurs oh Kelvin Johnson. Yeah, Johnson I mean he's been playing well but but like think about the 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 knock on on Zach Levine his whole entire career and he plays for Team USA and all of a sudden he's like 3 and D and he's hitting these off the dribble threes and yeah it's like, and obviously, you know, Steph and Clay are a good one to point to with where how they grew after yeah. playing on Team USA. Yeah. Cole Airy as well. Yeah. Um, I'm like, it hasn't been proved wrong. Uh, maybe Donovan Mitchell, but it, ha- it hasn't been proven wrong. But Donovan Mitchell was like, by the time Donovan Mitchell got on Team USA, he was already, already good. really good. Yeah, like, yeah. There was kind of like he was already averaging twenty three. I'm just, I'm just saying, watch out for the next Olympics because um, I this, this hasn't been proven wrong. The, the yeah. guys keep going in there, apart yeah. from Mason Plumley, and they keep coming out like exceptionally better. So I'm yeah. really excited to see when, 
low ball players around or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, especially players who have like a skill that they could improve on. Yeah. You know, like Lamelo has got a lot of like, you know, holes to patch, yeah. which, which could be really good for him. Um, but I think just going back to this like vague All NBA conversation, <laughs> like I think now like Phoenix will get one of the two in there guaranteed. It'll probably be Paul for like much the same reason as like last year because like Paul really is like the engine. But yeah. don't sleep on Booker. Like Booker is Booker is really really fucking good. And if he ends up on an All NBA team, like he he thoroughly he thoroughly deserves it. Um, all right, well let's let's hit the intro. Um, so yeah. By the time you by the time you're listening to this. You can go on the deep2.com. I cannot believe it's that simple. And wow. Most it's that simple. That's, that's fucked simple, up. Man. That's fucked up. Uh, the most recent article on there at the moment is by Don Yang, uh, obviously friend of the program and member of the Download NBA podcast. Um, yeah, the, the, uh, the Commonwealth Connection starts again. <laughs> um, talking about the rising Toronto Raptors. Um, now, obviously, after the trade deadline, something that Don wrote before the trade deadline is that he'd love to see him trade for you know an actual centre that can sort of put everyone back into the position where they need to be. They traded for an actual centre in Thaddeus Young, but he's you know he's got a little bit of skill overlap with the other players on the roster. But um, check it out, really nice piece by Don. I uh, appreciate him contributing to our website. And thanks, Don. Yeah, big big shouts. Um, and it's nice there's like two Toronto Raptors dudes on there at the moment so we're not going to get called for any bias between the Warriors and the Suns yeah <laughs> arguably we're a Toronto Raptors blog now but you know um well when well, yeah well, when we're definitely not a, we're definitely not a Phoenix Suns blog so Phoenix Suns are underrepresented on this um on this website but uh, the Golden State Warriors most certainly not if you did like a if you did like a um like a text search for Golden State. I wonder how many times it would come up on the website. Three. Um, is there is there something else to plug as well? Uh, well, I will be writing an article that should be up there by the time you listen to this. If you're listening to this uh, next week, Monday onwards, this an article will definitely be on there by myself. If you're listening, if you're listening to this on the weekend, have a beer. <laughs> Chill out. It'll be up on Monday. Just <laughs> keep back. Don't worry about it. Calm down. If you're listening to this on Monday, go to the website. Uh, an article by me talking about the Portland Trailblazers who yeah as we mentioned before are the hottest team after the trade deadline Um, but yeah just looking at where where Portland's going they've obviously torn everything down they've got assets and cap space not too much cap space uh, but they've got the the room to retool around Damian Lillard, and I look at uh, allegedly where they go with that room, and and if it's possible, and if it makes you feel better, I did everything I suggested in the article on two K. How that go? For you? We lost in the second round. Yeah, but it was fun. Yeah, it was I bet. Fun. I bet. Well, that that was um, you know, not to gas you up too much. That was a that's a banger. Oh, thanks. I you know, listen as I you know. Part of my co-host um, privileges is that I get to read all the articles before they actually go live. So I'm kind of like a kind of like a big thing, but uh, I can I can confirm that uh, your article was really really good. Like every now and then, you know, like obviously the stuff that you write is good. You're a good writer, but every now and then there's one that makes you just kind of sit back and go, "Yeah, that was a really good article. Like they're extra good." So is it sweet general? Does that mean like? I don't, you're the one that's fucking talking in a different language. You you gotta know. You gotta know what he's <laughs> yeah, saying. Yeah, but you always do this shit, man. Sweet. Jeez. Hold on. Sweet. Generous. Sui generous. I think Ronaldo said that. Um, it says unique, but I thought it meant like really good piece. Well, it was yeah, it was unique. Yeah, whatever. It's a unique, a good, a really good, unique piece. Well, let's just um, let's let's stuff up the the run sheet a little bit more because one piece that I <laughs> one wrote. One piece. 
You fan or? Yeah, yeah I've actually got the, <laughs> the first two manga in Japanese. I actually I haven't even. Uh, you know, you know, what really used to annoy me. I used to watch it when I was a kid. Mm. I, I went like to cheese bef- TV. Yeah, like like cheese TV exactly. TV. Yeah, I went to went to before school care every day. Yeah, because uh, my mum didn't love me. <laughs> oh, um, I went to before school care too. Yeah, well, I've got news for you. <laughs> um, but I just, <laughs> sorry, your parents aren't grinding, brother. <laughs> but in <laughs> in like grade one, I'd watch it. Yeah. Um, and I, the the lady who ran before school care would like set me up like with my table. She'd bring me my Nutrigrain, sit there and like eat Nutrigrain, just vibing out. <laughs> and then it would be like you you'd be watching it, and they'd be like saying the character's name, and they'd be like Luffy. Yeah, they'd yeah. say Luffy. Yeah, the character's name's Luffy. Some of it would be wanted wanted Luffy's attention. They'd be like, Hey, Luffy, look over here. And then it would go to like the toast and TV hosts, you know, like. Dave and Amanda yeah and they'd be like what a great episode can't wait to see what Luffy's up to next time <laughs> and as a six year old I was like that's not a fucking say and it really like turned me off because I'd I'd get second hand embarrassment from these people like obviously yeah. they weren't watching it yeah. and no one was pulling them up on it and they just come in being like yeah Luffy it's like yeah, bro yeah. it's One Piece this is your flagship morning weekday <laughs> program you gotta get the main character's name right yeah. this cunt can get his oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a little E next to it <laughs> alright the F word is, is, is a different kettle of fish um, this bloke can, can extend his arms and do all sorts of crazy shit yeah, yeah. and you can't even say his name properly anyway <laughs> It's like when um, you were saying. <laughs> it's, it's like when you're listening to other pods, um, and and friend of the program Jay did this when she went on the Jeff Van Gundy National Basketball Association tribute show Great last week. Um, but she went to say something and she stopped herself and was like, "Oh, can I swear in this thing?" And I've always wanted to be like, you know, oh, you know, Nicola Jokic doesn't get the respect he deserves. Uh, can I swear in this thing? And they're like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. And you just say the most vulgar shit yeah. unrelated to, to the topic <laughs> you were talking about. You're just like racist, homophobic, just C word and stuff. Just, you're like, oh, sorry, man. Unrelated. I just really wanted to ask you to swear on this get show. Get that out. And just get it out. Um, but yeah, luckily I described the joke instead of doing it. Um, so one piece, that's, you know, I, I, I had the Luffy problem myself because I used to just read the manga when I was little. Yeah, like, right. I, I didn't, I didn't really. Um, so we would have, I would have hated you if we had a met when we were like seven and we talked about one piece. I would have been like, get this bloke out of here. I, I had this, um, so like I, I used to watch it on cheese TV, but the problem is when you're a kid, like you can't just like get anime lab or Crunchyroll yourself because you're a kid you don't have any money you can't just like get this subscription service yeah also it was like 2005 yeah well you can't just like buy 2000 DVDs of anime and watch it and just smash it all out so I would be like I'd watch the first episode and I'd be like that's awesome man like you know can I watch another one like you know I want to binge it as a kid Um, and I just didn't have you know $3,000 to buy all the discs so then I was like well why don't I just go to one of these you know illegal manga sites and just read because obviously the manga is also ahead of the anime so I would just like I'll be like awesome Chase TV that's awesome I'm like three arcs ahead of you man like I'm just smashing out these books and just like PDFs on, on and don't do illegal things kids but you know an illegal an illegal copy of the book um, yeah I'm a writer weird um, so <laughs> I, I, would, I would just smash it out but because I was smashing it out watching it as opposed to reading it I had to see all these names that you know they're, they're also coming from Japan so I didn't really know how to pronounce them as well so mm. I just had to come up with a pronunciation pronunciation I love how I trip over that word um, in my head so yeah Luffy I called him Luffy and then 
years later, I'm talking with a friend about One Piece, and I'm like, oh, you know, fucking, how cool's Luffy? And he goes, what do you mean it's Luffy? Actually, it was my friend Kyle. And he's like, why do you call him Luffy? And I'm like, <laughs> I've actually just never heard it said out loud. Yeah. Because then after I realized that I could just read it all, I stopped going to Cheese TV and I just started being like, oh, cool, I want to read Naruto. So I just read that and then mispronounced everyone's name because I'd never watched it. Yeah. Well, I had, I had something like that when I, was, when I was a kid as well. Me and my cousin, my cousin Dave. Shouts to Dave. Um... Reading The Rangers Apprentice by John Flanagan. Great series. Great series. Um, but one of the main characters, like the main love interest, her name is like... How, how do you, how, you, you say that word? How do you say that name? The first name? Elise. You say it Elise, right? <laughs> Elise. It's, it's A-L-Y-S-S. And I'm reading it, I'm like, yeah, it's Elise. And then I get my cousin Dave onto it. And then we're talking about like, oh, how hectic is this bit? And he's like, yeah, when Alice. And I'm like, nah. Yeah. What are you fucking? T-? And he's like, nah, it's Alice. We, we, we. He didn't have that moment where he was like, oh shit, I've been saying it. He's like, no, you've been saying it. <laughs> anyway, Rangers Apprentice, pretty hectic. Well, you remember the books in the same, you know, teen fiction sort of genre? Did mm. you ever read Owen Colfer? Oh, I didn't love <laughs> Owen Colfer. Artemis Fowl, worst bloke. Best yeah, books. dude, I mispronounced like two of those four words you just said. Yeah, like, as a kid, just reading it, I was like, Eon. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I actually, um, actually got my one of my copies of Artemis Fowl signed by him because he, he, after I had left, um, St. Joseph's Primary School, West Brunswick, my brother was still there, and yeah. Owen Colford just like went to the school, and my, bro- my brother's like, Hey, do you want me to get your book yeah. signed? Up? <laughs> yes. So I've got the first. I've got all of them. Like I had all of them when I was a kid, and the yeah. first one which I kept, um, it's like you know, yeah. two two Dante. Keep reading. I'm <laughs> Owen. Something like that. I, I love to hear stories like that and think like now that I'm an adult and that person was an adult, can you imagine just like yeah, oh, some kid wants his book signed. Keep reading. Like, can you imagine just doing that as an adult? Like, maybe he was just, like, having a rough morning. He was hungover and stuff. And he goes, oh, what do I say to Dante? Oh, keep reading. Good, <laughs> good on ya, mate. <laughs> yeah. Um, on, on the topic of, like, you know, meeting meeting people or getting something signed or whatever, when I was... This is a very seminal moment for me. When I was in, I was in India doing an internship at a literature festival and in walks... Nicholas Shakespeare, who's a um, who's a writer, he's not particularly yeah. That's Will. Yeah, it was Will. It was Billy. Uh, not particularly like prominent, like internationally, not like super well known. But he wrote the foreword for um, Love in the Time of Cholera, which I studied in year twelve. Oh, yeah. And the foreword was just like wonderful and gave me some really amazing contextual points around which I I built my. Um, concept of the um of the the world of the novel and so i really felt like i owed a lot to nicholas shakespeare rocks up and i went over and i was like i was like nicholas like so sorry to bother you but i I just gotta tell you we had this really nice like it was only like a minute conversation we got like a quick pick Mm -hmm. i was like really i was like really shy and then my friend anurag was like no like you gotta get a pick um but the exact opposite of Owen Colfer with a hangover Kate Reading he was like just lovely and he was <sighs> yeah anyway um, kind of derailed here should we take a break sure <laughs> the depth the the deep the ugh, the deep 
two. God, that's a mouthful. Anyways, I'm Marco, co-host of the... Hey, Daniel Gafford, what's the name of our podcast? The JVG NBA Tribute Show. Well, I can't believe it's that easy. Thanks, Gaff. You probably know us as two members of the Four Man Weave plus Marco, but we know you as our next listener. Well said, Lucas. I gotta ask, how do we differ from the pack of basketball podcasts? It's a great question, Marco. You see, on our basketball podcast, we have two male co-hosts. Wow, truly groundbreaking. After this episode, stay on your favourite podcasting app and give us a spin. Um, so we were talking about One Piece because I said One Piece I wrote uh, and then we went on a bit of a tangent. We love a tangent here in the deep two. One Piece I wrote was in 2019 uh, when the Knicks hired Tom Thibodeau. Mm. Uh, and I wrote that when we were over on at the medium forward slash the deep two with hyphens in between. Days. Man, what a URL. That's so long. Much, much like The Ringer. We also started on Medium and went on to achieve great things. <laughs> um, it is a very long URL, though. It'd be amazing oh, if we could simplify it in we? some way. Could we? Let's, wow. let's get a CTO on that. <laughs> um, so I wrote the article about the Tibbs hiring, and this was just before he got hired. Do you remember when uh, Ian Begley and, and Mark Berman... Also, I was when making the Jalen Brunson video, I got the footage of uh, Paul Zingas getting like, his introductory press conference, right? just so I get like the B-roll chucking in the background. And then what they would do is in the pre-COVID times, they would film the player and then there would be a camera on the journalist asking the question each time. So there's you know 20 guys in the press room, turn around. There's Mark Berman and he was asking a question to, to, to the Zinger when he got traded to Dallas and like, yeah, just some fucking toxic New York sort of, what's it like being traded away from that team? Like, do you miss them? Did you feel betrayed? Shit like that. Like, of course, you're not going to say anything, but... I'm looking at him and I'm like, dude, I've just constructed this image of you in my head and I've never actually seen what the fuck you look like. <laughs> Have you ever seen him before? No. It's like a, a, a bit of a love between, like a, a love child of Jabba the Hutt <laughs> and the Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah. And Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, no, I kind of get it. I kind of see it. I kind of... <laughs> the first, if you just Google Mark Berman, the first guy that comes up is like that guy. He looks like a politician or something. Yeah, that's not him. Um, <laughs> hey, this first guy, Mark Berman, looks like a genuine sex pest. Yeah. <laughs> like, really, really does. Um, yeah, I know what Stefan Bondi looks like. Stefan Bondi and Mark Berman are yeah. obviously like the, the dream team, yeah, yeah, yeah. dynamic duo of terrible, like, not terrible, but unnecessary NBA reporting they, I feel like they have a lot of editorial expectations to get content out there yeah well you know maybe that's maybe that's a comment on the, on the media more generally you as a professional journalist can speak to that more than me well to certain certain media outlets other people don't want you to spit out an article a day even if it's not worth here it. at the day too it's all about <laughs> quality not quantity so I wrote an article on Tibbs because this was just before he was about to get hired and Mark Berman was one of his daily articles was like the Knicks are nearing a deal for Tom Thibodeau. The Knicks are enamored by Tom Thibodeau. Like stuff like this morning, uh, there was a report that the Bucks were like extremely engaged on signing Goran Dragic, right? Like just every other way to say that's about to happen. Um, Cause this is actually, I'm, I'm not going to start a tangent. So you're talking about Tibbs uh, and, I, and I published that article and it actually did really well doing the numbers. Cause as I was soon to find out writing for the Knicks wall, Knicks get clicks. Um, <laughs> And so, like, I had a few comments in there, and I had some other stuff. You've actually got it up in front yeah, of you. Yeah, I've got it up. And actually, it was just one comment, but I think I had something on social media and Twitter. 
Um, but the comment was like, oh, you know, something. Let's let's actually just get it. Something along along the lines of like, you're wrong. Tibbs is going to like change the it's culture. From, it's from Mark Demore. Any chance you can reevaluate this story based on the Knicks' first season under Tibbs? That was ten months ago. And then, so I wrote that article saying Tibbs isn't the guy. They should go for more of a long term developmental coach, whether that be Lloyd Pierce or Steve Kerr. Just just roll the die. And you said on the pod as soon as I wrote this article, where it's like, okay, they're going to hire Tibbs. And he's going to be great in his first year. But as with all Tibbs teams, they've got about a three-year window and then he's on the way out. So I've always had that in the back of my mind because this guy commented 10 months ago on a two-year-old article to say, hey, Tibbs, um, how about you go back and see like how Tibbs has gone now that he's actually done a good job. Now we're in the middle of year two. This is year two of Tibbs. You've given him a three-year window and you'll probably give him a three-year window into his next job. But we've got a report here. From old pal Ian Begley of SNY that says, quote, during conversations with James Dolan this month, William Wesley has been blaming the New York Knicks' disappointing season, at least in part, the coaching of Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau, who has been playing in a, in a fucking COVID-ravaged season, about eight players a night, uh, and then obviously the front office really liked what they saw on Cam Reddish, thought they could buy low on him, so they traded for Cam Reddish, and he could not get off the bench for about two weeks Quentin Grimes, in, a, in an overtime game, played like 42 minutes, right? Or 41 minutes. And Cam Reddish, fully healthy, suited up, got a DNPCD in a game with like eight players. Um, and the, I think the Knicks ended up losing that one. Uh, so that's that's just one small tidbit. But if you're the front office and you've just brought in a guy that you want to have a look at and he's not even touching the court um, and the Knicks... I believe were overperforming last year. I think their defense was good, but they also had some opponent shooting luck. I didn't like the pick of Julius Randle for All-Star because I thought he was the best offensive player on a below average offense. For All-Star or All-NBA? All-NBA, sorry. Um, And here we are. We're two years through the the Tibbs experience and this is our very first little driplet of things aren't great in New York. Well, I have two things that I want to say. First of all, I've I've heard that sentiment... Um, echoed in the NBA cognoscenti. Which which sentiment? The sentiment that Julius Randle didn't deserve second team All NBA last season, yeah. and I I disagree. I think he genuinely was like one of the fifteen best players in the league last year. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a similar kind of. Um, what, what do you feel this year then? Well, this year he's he's, he's fallen off a cliff, and it, it shows you how slim the margins were with that team last year. Um, the other thing that I think that I want to talk about is the whole um, Cam Reddish thing points to major, 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 major organizational disconnect because yeah. in an organization where someone gives up a, a gives up a first round pick to bring in a young player, like that player just gets played because yeah. the GM and the coach are on the same page. Cam Reddish is averaging... Um, is he extension eligible this year? No, yeah. no. He's, this is his, this is his third year. Um, so he's got one more. Well, he'll, he'll be extension eligible yeah, in, the off, in the off season, yeah, but he's not going to free agency. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he's played nine games, hasn't started at all, uh, and he's averaging eleven minutes a game. Um, like yeah. major disconnect politically inside the organization because there's no way that a GM, team president, whatever brings in a player and the coach just refuses to play him. Um, if Tibbs didn't have a history of being so obstinate, then maybe it's not that much of a problem. But he does have a history of being obstinate. He plays the players that he wants to play. And over the last 10 years, he's proven that as a coach, he's not 
always able to select the best players to play. That's just like literally that's just facts from from Taj Gibson being on every single team <laughs> to last season, you know, bringing in Derek Rose. Which uh, that's that's been a good deal. That's been a good deal, but bringing in Derek Rose over like over quickly, quickly still can't get enough game time. Well, there's actually murmurs before the deadline which I don't know if this was from a New York guy or from a national guy, but it said teams are looking at Emmanuel quickly being like the Knicks don't value him as high as they should and they, was, they were calling to see if they can get him but the Knicks just didn't do it yeah um, I think that um, the reason why they're quite bad this year is because they were so reliant on Julius Randle to be like elite last year and he was elite last year um, but he was elite in ways that aren't necessarily transferable like he shot 40% from three he shot like 48% on his long twos and he's just like you know please say deep twos yeah deep twos <laughs> wait why why deep twos Brandon um, you, know, you know what I mean like he he was he was hitting in ways that's like more more likely to be a fluke you've never seen someone go from like shooting 50% at the rim to like shooting 59% at the rim mm-hmm. and their scoring average goes up by 8 because they're all of a sudden finishing at the rim and then the next season it's like oh that was a fluke that he just like learned how to hit layups yeah Jump shooting, it's completely different. You see fluctuations like all the time. I still think that Randall was deserving. And I think that the Jokic logic that I talked about at the start of this episode applies because it's like, yes, they were below average offense, but like with him, they literally would have been like the process sixes. Um, But this season, Randall's fallen off and they had no no margin for... um, But but with your Jokic point, Jokic on the court, they're one of the best offenses in the whole league. When When he goes off, they're process sixes. When Julius Randle's on the court, they were like the 15th best offense. Then when he leaves, they're process sixes. Yeah, well, I'm not saying that... Ra- oh, I'm not yeah. saying not putting Randle in the Jokic echelon. I'm just saying that that same like yeah. theme is, is applicable. Uh, but not a debate for MVP, but a debate for All-NBA 13. I, I, I have, no, I have no, no issues with that. Um, yeah. I, I think that it was, it was deserved. But was he a forward or a center then? He probably would have been a forward, yeah. yeah it was a forward, and there's like no Kawhi... No, Paul George. I mean, in a different year, like with different candidates, mate. Like, no KD. You know, maybe we're, we're talking differently, but I think no, last KD. I think last year, I also think there's a bit of um, from the the NBA community. Um, there's a bit of uh, I'll name names. It's Zach Lowe and John Hollinger in particular. There's a bit of like retroactive distancing of that when at the time they were like, "Wow, like what a great story!" Like Julius Randall, like you know, propelling the Knicks. And now it's like, man, like he never really deserved that. And it's like, well, actually I remember what you said, even if you don't. Um, <laughs> I, I wrote something for the Knicks wall early on last year where, you know, like they, they, they've got heaps of great writers at the Knicks wall. And it's like, everyone's just pitch your articles. But like, if you pitch a generic article, it's probably going to be taken because like they, they cover all the topics. Right. So I was like, how about looking at Julius Randall from a trade proposition where it's like, he's clearly improved a lot he's still on that really cheap deal which was like 9 mil a year before he signed the extension how about the Knicks look at it like okay RJ Barrett's getting better we're in a playoff position right now why don't we just try and like sell high on Julius Randle because right now fast forward to today they've signed him to the extension it would be very very hard to trade him unless you're trying to trade shit for shit and to and by shit I mean like the we saw the discussion with Darren Fox where it would be Darren Fox for Julius Randle yeah um like how how much could they have gotten last year trading a nine million dollar a year Julius Randall selling high and like I copped a lot of crap on that for Twitter people were like no no we're gonna make the playoffs this matter like the playoffs this year it doesn't matter like you know why would we trade him but I, I that that might have been the the most they ever get back for Julius Randall and at the moment it's looking like 
the next great Knicks team probably has RJ Barrett as their starting three, but does it have Julius Randle in it? Well, does it have RJ Barrett as their starting three? He's playing well. Is he? Yeah. Has he? <laughs> my question with RJ is like, has he developed anything that he didn't previously have? From last year, or from like a rookie? just just from just from like how he's been his entire career, like he he hasn't really developed his handle. Um, to the point where you're comfortable with him running pick and roll, which as a as a all star wing like that's kind of like a necessity. Yeah. Um, he's still not like an amazing shooter. He's still not an amazing finisher. He's still a bad shot selection. He's still he's a sick defender. Like he's really <laughs> really good defensively. Um, I, I, I just don't I think really. He's getting better. I don't really. I don't really see. You, you know, and I'm I'm not like fucking tape dogging this and like watching the Knicks all the time, watching the. Um, <laughs> Yeah. you know the 10 seed or the 12 seed Knicks I'm not like grinding it out but yeah. um, I think RJ Barrett has not improved in any area that was a weakness like he's still good oh, he, he's, he's gotten better as a shooter he's got a lot more better well, shooting volume well he yeah, he's he's taken more he, like before before it was like DeMar DeRozan he kind of hasn't gotten better as a shooter though maybe he's gotten better as, as, a, as a shooter skill wise but practically his shot selection lets him down what what do you think he's what do you think he's shooting from the field this year I've got it in front of me as well well tell tell the people <laughs> what, ta- what well from two he's shooting 45% uh, and that's, from the field he's shooting 40 that's terrible yeah that's terrible on a, like, on, on a bad offense 35% if RJ Barrett is a 35% three point shooter for his career just call that a win hmm. you, you know you're a, a uh, non you're a non-shooting wing who are the best non-shooting wings the last 10 years it's probably Demar and Jimmy Butler Demar and Jimmy Butler aren't shooting 45% on twos but Demar Demar and Jimmy Butler aren't 21 like if you say yeah. development usually stops at 23 right? yeah you've got a guy who in two Demar years Demar and Jimmy Butler oh, I'm but, very sorry to interrupt you but Demar <laughs> and Jimmy Butler also didn't get this many reps early in their career to show no improvement yeah like he has shown improvement like he's as you say he's a better defender he has got I'm, ta- I'm talking about I'm talking about purely offensively yeah I'm talking about can he be your second best player on I, a championship team I and feel, I just think the answer is no I feel better about him than, than I do today than I did a year ago I, I feel better after seeing him just up his volume everywhere and dribble a little bit more and just do more stuff yeah it's still not great but he's not. It's not like he's unplayable. It's not like Killian Hayes for it. No, he's, no, I'm not saying that he's. Un, I'm not saying that he's unplayable. I'm, I'm. I'm just saying that like, when, just like hypothetically, there was another great player on this team, and he. Oh yeah. Not maybe, maybe the better way to conceive of it is like if he was the fifteenth pick and they weren't force feeding him thirty five minutes a game for three years. Like yeah. he he wouldn't. He he might be closer to Cam Reddish because they're like you have to earn your offensive role you haven't really done enough to actually show us you've got any like benefit in us just like giving you the ball all the time then he just wouldn't get the ball but because he's the number three pick and or number two pick you know and it's New York and they need that like secondary star there's no one who they can feasibly sell as like the you know the heir to the throne like I think he he is what's the opposite of a victim of circumstance he's the benef- the beneficiary of circumstance in that way because he'd be on a shorter leash if he didn't have the draft pedigree yeah yeah that's true um, 
and if he was two years older, like if because he came in at nineteen, yeah, and if he'd come in at twenty or twenty one, I would be like, oh, okay, hang on a minute. But just just he's got two more years of like plenty of growth, and I feel better about that moving forward. One thing that I want to jump back to is the tips discussion because I I can't emphasize enough how like much of a fucking you know much of a red flag siren going off it is that like Cambridge isn't playing mm. um, especially with you know the the reports now coming out of, of a bit of like you know disconnect between the front office saying that like they think that it's the coach's fault also fucking newsflash to the front <laughs> office your Evan Fournier is your third best player so that kind of tells you how good you're how good you're gonna be um but is Tibbs gone after this season? No, one more year. Like you one, said, three years. Yeah, three years. But 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 is if you get to the end of this year and you're like, okay, is it more likely that thirty games through the season where eighteen and twelve or twelve and eighteen? And if the answer is that you're more likely twelve and eighteen, why do you bring him back? Yeah, because maybe they're on a high from that first year and that's that's well they're not on a high now maybe that's where Tibbs gets you maybe that's where the third the third year Tibbs thing is like when Tibbs when everything's going well and they're in the playoff hunt last year like when it rains it pours it's like oh my god Tibbs looks like a gangster out there man he looks like the penguin and he's just like shouting play 44 minutes RJ like he's like he looks awesome but as soon as he starts losing games it's like why are you playing Quentin Grimes 44 minutes this isn't how you do coaching man and it hasn't worked for you in two stops previously and it always three, acts the same yeah. yeah yeah well three including this yeah um, um, so yeah it's I can see that happening but I, I don't reckon it happened like because we're still so close to him over the thing the, the, the issue is he was coach of the year over Monty Williams yeah well obviously that was a travesty yeah that was a travesty in the moment and it only looks worse in hindsight um by speaking as someone who's experienced this in the not too distant past with Earl Watson, if you're having doubts about your coach going into the off season, if you think that there's a chance it's going to be bad right away and you're expecting to be good, like just fire him because the worst thing that you can do. It's a bit like Luke Walton. A bit like Luke Walton, don't the, the exception? The exception to the rule is um, the Hawks last year, where they f- fired, thought about firing Lloyd Pierce. They didn't. Then the Hawks were terrible. They fired Lloyd Pierce, and then they ended up running all the way to the ECF. That yeah. usually doesn't happen. If you if you bring a <clears throat> if you bring a you know a damp sponge coach into a season when you're having doubts, and then your doubts get proven right thirty games in, the season's lost. Mm. The season is like completely lost because you're, you're either in a hole with your record that you can't dig out of to any meaningful degree or the vibe is just so fucking shit Mm. I mean look how long it took the vibe to resuscitate in Minnesota like Tibbs leaves Ryan Saunders comes in the team's terrible last season Chris Finch comes in halfway through and people are like oh like yeah it could be good I'm like now but how many seasons removed are we three three full seasons Three and a half seasons removed from Tibbs leaving. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's all Tibbs, but it's no, it's not all Tibbs. But, but it does, doesn't help. But it certainly is. It certainly is like something to do to do with him. And obviously, he has this these tendencies as a coach to just play players that he knows, play veterans over feeling. Um, he just he just wants to know that if he's got. A player who's a six out of ten, and he knows they're a six out of ten. He's much more comfortable 
with a with that than a young player who's a question mark. Yeah, the, yeah. the young player could be a four, he could be an eight, but he's not prepared to see if he could be the eight for fear that he could be a four. Yeah. And that's not healthy. Yeah. That's not a healthy mindset to have as a coach, especially when this team has invested assets in Cam Reddish, Obi Toppin playing fifteen minutes a game. Mm. Like figure it out, bro. I, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, all right, well, we, it looks like we'll have time to talk about one of the trades from the trade deadline. Now, obviously, we recorded our trade deadline episode a day before the trade deadline. And we, we joked, and we joked as well, like, haha, like, we're gonna. But we knew. We, no, well, we, we didn't know how much. Yeah. We, we, we joked on that episode, like, haha, like, it'll be outdated immediately because there'll be a trade that happens after. And then literally, there was like, fucking, you talk, certain <laughs> moment ago when it rains, it pours. Um, so we haven't actually talked about the trade deadline deals. What's one that you want to talk about? Tory Craig back to Phoenix. <laughs> Love it. Literally, I said someone rescue Tory Craig from Indiana, yeah. and bam, Tory Craig for Jalen Smith and a second round pick. Huge. Jalen Smith watched him. Um, I've actually randomly watched two Pacers games in the last week. Ah, uh, the Tristan Thompson there. Jalen Jalen Smith is so shit. <laughs> But, like, why don't you pick up his option and trade him? No, it was genuinely, like, it was an in- indefensible decision yeah. because... Well, Bill Simmons, we were talking about Bill Simmons' podcast before. He's, he reckons it screams a little bit too much, like, uh, penny-pinching. Yeah. For old mate, uh, toxic culture, sexual assault. Yeah. Who is he? Magnum condom Sava. Yeah. Um, <laughs> big is, dick, big dick Rob. such a shame, man. Dante, I want the best for you, my friend. Yeah. I want the best for you, and you've you've pretty much got the best right now like you're a title favourite and it could all come crumbling down because of some poor man's ego we trade we, we, we sign and trade eight and then we re-sign JaVale McGee to a 440 <laughs> did you see the rumour that like we will eventually what, pick a trade a- and talk at it Aiden and Simonis what the fuck man oh, I mean like who who knows what that was that could have been Indiana saying yeah I, I don't, yeah, I don't that's, put- <clears throat> that's one thing about us being asleep for the deadline we don't see the timeline I I put very little stock in that and I also put very little stock A generally what Bill Simmons says and this was the first time I listened to a Bill Simmons podcast in like four months and then mm-hmm. 15 minutes in I was like there's like three separate occasions where I'd be like that's a pretty stupid thing to say <laughs> um but I also don't put any stock in the idea that that we're not gonna pay because the the argument would be well like we've done really well with our backup centers in this you know in this season mm. but Aiden is inarguably better than any of them and he's also an investment in the future in in a post Chris Paul future in a way that none of them are because it's not you, you know like, like you tell me that Chris Paul retires and then we reorient the offense and Aiden averages 21 points a game for four straight years whilst he's on a max deal well if your center is averaging 21 12 and is playing good defense like he's probably worth close mm. to a max anyway. anyway so I I'm I'm calm I don't yeah. think that there's that there's penny pinching I think if there was gonna be penny pinching it would have been with Mikhail Bridges yeah that Mikhail Mikhail getting so much means they're just gonna they're just gonna go for it and cop the tax for three years I hope so. Uh, yeah. Which trade do you want to talk about? Well, I kind of, uh, I want I kind of want to talk about. Let's talk about two two trades. Yeah. So I want to talk about Porzingis. I want to talk about Thad Young. Yeah. Thad Young, uh, which was covered in, in Don Young's excellent piece on the Deep Two dot com. Can't believe it's that simple. <laughs> Any hyphens or just <laughs> allegedly, <laughs> allegedly no hyphens. Um, interesting that. 
they've just that Toronto has decided to go with Thad Young because he's just another six nine yeah. forward who fits into their cast of six nine forwards. Not only the three six nine forwards that they fucking start every day, <laughs> but then Precious Achua, Chris Boucher, Thad Young, am I missing anyone? Like Siakam? You well, want him and Ananobi are starting. That's that's, that's what they so it's alluded a, to. I, I can't believe it took a first round pick to get this. Now obviously Drogic just sent back. Drogic was expiring and yeah, has been waived. Yeah. So I, that's that's nothing. Well it's kind of a fake first round pick though. Because so they got it's to move up ten spots. They got Detroit's second round pick back. Bobby, which is gonna be thirty two. Bobby Webs Bobby Webster spoke about this trade with I can't remember the writer, but it was on the athletic and he pretty much said like people are saying this draft is you know heavy at the top like all drafts are but then it's you know we he said that we see a plateau from 15 to 35 of of players and talent so he goes we're seeing that a move from you know where were they like 20 22 to 32 is nothing for us in fact it's actually better because they'll pay the player less there's no one in that range that they love that they really just want to snipe and maybe move up and stuff and then they looked at trying to upgrade and get like a Miles Turner or another another centre, but then they didn't want to commit future assets and another first round pick in the future because they like there are guys in that area that we like and we do actually want to like see if we can see if we can draft. So he sees the the spot between picks as just negligible. What do you think about that? Yeah, I I, I kind of agree. I mean, I can't speak to the draft prospects and and the the range of fifteen to thirty five. Like, I can't speak to any of that. But I think. The concept of moving back 10 spots to lock in the chance that you get, to lock in getting the player that you want is worth it heading into the playoffs. Like moving back 10 spots is like really nothing if you get a player who's an impact player and helps you lock up a player spot and also helps you in the playoffs. What I think though, is that it's just peculiar that they decided that Thad Young was that player. Yeah, yeah. I think that the I think the concept is perfectly fine because he was going to get bought out, and if he gets bought out, there's eight teams that want him. Whereas if you trade for him, you move about ten spots, you just guarantee that you get him. Mm. But why they would bring in Thad Young, I don't really know. Especially because they it seems like they're kind of lacking like some shooting and on ball dynamism, and Thad Young is gonna you know if they play him in the thadgic role like the bulls did last yeah, season yeah. basically as like a post, small ball small ball five like high post operator that's kind of where siakam has had some of his recent success like in the last two months like playing at the high post being more of an initiator like siakam's assist way up um he's being like a secondary playmaker behind van vliet so are you then saying okay well thad young's gonna be the backup to siakam and we're going to just make sure that we've got 48 minutes of someone playing that role, which I guess, but at the same time, like who's your backup one? Who's your backup two? It's, is the answer yeah. Malachi Flynn for both yeah. of those yeah, questions? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you know, like yeah, yeah. there's, there's kind of no, but it, it, to get a backup point guard in a more valuable position, it would have been harder to do. And it took, it would have taken more than moving down 10 spots. Might've just taken moving on from the pick. And do you really want to commit just a pick without getting back to Detroit second for, 
yeah another Goran Drogic yeah no well I mean I mean like potentially not but but then even then saying we're adding Thad Young rather than like you know just throwing out another name um, but like a Justin Holiday type yeah, yeah. 3ND wing Thad, Thad Young is not a 3ND wing you add a 3ND wing who can just slide in between and an OBC Arkham can spell them whatever like uh, yeah. uh, like why add the type of player that you've already got yeah well like let's say JaVale McGee was on the market again like let's say he was in as he was in Cleveland last year like I, I would have liked it if they got JaVale McGee who's like fills a role that they don't have as that running and dunking big man who you know isn't going to like try and do some tricky little cool stuff out of the high post and stuff um, yeah I would have preferred like a JaVale McGee type but like who's out there that's going to be worth a first round pick uh, or moving back 10 spots yeah they just they just seem really it, it seems they might have been better off not making this move at all yeah, well, the other the other thing is that like if that if that young works out really well, then like you just displace Boucher, you displace mm. Birch, and you just end up with four centers who are not playing. And four. Thad hasn't been playing a lot. Well, I mean, he hasn't been playing a lot because the Spurs decided they didn't want him. Yeah, um, great piece of business by San Antonio, who we now know can do in season trades. How cool is that? Yeah, ever since Nando Di Colo, uh, actually, yeah. and. And Marquise Chris for something last Nan- year. Nandy D. Nandy D. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to the Porzingis trade. Um, yeah, there's. A, I was listening to uh, the Dunked On podcast, and they had a, they had a mailbag episode, and they've got this Dallas dude who comes in like it's it's almost like he's a guest now, but yeah, he was just he just put his hand up in the question room and asked a question, um, and they just know him as like the Dallas guy, and he was over the moon. He goes, we, we were over the moon. <laughs> We got off of Chris Porzingis. He didn't cost us a good first round pick. And like two guys that he didn't say this, but I think like you can definitely recruit. <laughs> oh my work. God, hit the mute button. <laughs> Whoa. You good? The cost of hydration sometimes, huh? <laughs> um, <coughs> like you traded Chris Stapps. Should we take a break? No, you go they traded Chris Stapps this is real radio <laughs> they traded Chris Stapps for a guy for two guys who are bad contracts right now like Bertans and Dinwiddie aren't good contracts but I personally love both of those players and I personally think both of them can be worth their contracts and maybe they're not going to well, they're not going to outperform it cough <laughs> um but I, I I like it and I like it more because I like both you of those love guys. Bertans yeah what he did two years ago two years ago what he <laughs> three so, he hit three threes a game and did nothing else it was sick fucking skits and like and I, I like him much more around Luka Doncic uh, and I, I I just really like Spencer Dinwiddie and it's a shame at, at the start of the era of the deep two I was very Spencer pro Spencer Dinwiddie and I started probably at the end of 2019 to maybe like mm. kind of turn turn my mm. Um, my opinion of him a little bit he has like secretly for the last two to three years been one of the worst well last year he's out with an ACL I'm talking like when he's on the court yeah. been one of the worst scoring players <clears throat> in the entire league like not what in two years ago for Brooklyn let me let me let me let me bring the Jamie get that up (laughs) yeah let me let me bring the statistical weight to my um my claims here 
Um, he the, the dude is just not an efficient scorer in any... Look, look at that. There's a lot of blue there. Mm. There's a lot of blue there. Go, go up a bit. Uh, no, check, his, check his shooting numbers, bro. Oh, that is... Fun. That is his shooting numbers. He also doesn't really get to the rim. He's an okay three-point shooter, but not usually that great. And he fucking loves a deep two. Um, good, good correction. So as someone who's uh, ostensibly like a rock-solid starting point guy, he actually he actually is kind of a, a bit more of like a scoring liability than people think. It's just that unlike your average, unlike a Ricky Rubio, like he just he still takes fifteen shots a game. Um, do you, do you like this deal for Dallas? I do like this deal for Dallas just because like you, you get out of the Porzingis deal and Bertans. Did if he it, learn, if, if he relearns how to shoot, like, but like, uh, but paying fifteen million a year for Bertans is not actually the worst thing in the world, and he's got one of those contracts I think where there's minimal guarantees in the last year. Yeah. So you can trade him once he's got two years left. You can trade him like a semi-expiring. So he's got two years after this year, and then yeah, you can just waive him in that. So the the question that I have is, has Dallas got Dinwiddie? just because they wanted to break the contracts down into smaller increments or have they got Dinwiddie for a reason and is that reason to play back a point guard for the next three years or is that reason well, he's, or is that reason as some people have floated as Brunson insurance so yes to both just he, also like just also quietly on my point before like Dinwiddie's <laughs> played eight years and he's only shot above 50% from two once yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a good year. That's diabolical. <laughs> that is absolutely diabolical. Um, Jinwood's getting paid 17 this year, 18 next year. And I think there's like a tiny guarantee uh, in the third year. So they can just waive him after next year. Yeah. Um, Bertans has got two years after this one. But on, if Bertans learns how to shoot, right? Maxi Kleber, who I love saying led the league in block percentage for two years. Um, hasn't hasn't been a Rudy Gobert type. Shocking. But if Bertans can shoot on offense... I would much rather have just a, you know, a, a huge white Latvian JJ Redick as opposed to JJ Redick who's black. <laughs> I'd rather have a good shooting Bertans next to Luca than Kristaps Porzingis, um, and that's kind of weird to say, but also like you just trust that he can stay healthy forever. And I, I'm, I'm rooting for him so much. I, I really like Bertans when he was, you know, two years ago. I really, yeah, like I am in fancy. <laughs> I, tra- I traded for him. Um, and I like that around Luca. And yeah, the the Brunson insurance is a bit scary uh, because maybe they're they're reading reading the tea leaves a little bit and they're a little bit worried because if he is Brunson insurance, then your team gets much worse because Brunson's good and Dinwiddie's not good right now. Yeah, Dinwiddie has proven this season, and you can make the allowance for coming back from the ACL, okay. But um, unless he gets substantially better, he's not a starting caliber point guard. And I, I would say that even in those seasons when you look really good, there are some like real limitations that put him firmly on the lower end of starting caliber point guard. Lower than he might have appeared to me, you know, me two years ago and you now. <coughs> He's like secretly not that good, mm-hmm. even though he appears for all intents and purposes to be good. So if he is Brunson Insurance, your team... It's, just got it's, really shit it's not good insurance no it's terrible insurance um, <laughs> and there's been rumours about Dragic 
who has been bought out by the Spurs, yeah. signing with signing with the Mavs to play with Luca. I, I think let's but, assume he's a buck. Like by the time this podcast well, comes out, he's not going to be a Mav. Why would you go and be the, go and be the fourth point guard yeah, in the Mavs yeah, yeah. just to hang out well, with Luca? Third, according to you. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if if you're Jalen Brunson and if they did bring in uh, Goran Dragic, you got to be like, dude, at least try and like appeal to me, because like imagine yeah. you're Jalen Brunson who's starting right now because Tim Hardaway Jr. was out, um, and then they just bring in two guys who like you're just going to eat up your minutes. That's that's not good for an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. Also, watch my video on the Deep Two on YouTube. <laughs> Film room. Should they have uh, Should they have traded Brunson? No. They should re-sign Brunson, and you, they should re-sign Brunson. They're gonna they're gonna re-sign Finney Smith. I think they're gonna re-sign Finney Smith for something in the neighbourhood of like four years fifty, which seems pretty reasonable. Mm. And the the reason why the pausing this trade is so good is because they didn't have to send any assets out, yeah. and you get two more tradable like contracts. Like Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie having that last year voidable means that he's a twenty million dollar expiring next year, which you shouldn't have to send out. A, juicy asset if yeah. you wanted to move that yeah. it also means you can package those package those picks to get into package those contracts to get into the max conversation again next season if you want to if someone becomes available yeah you decide you want to do Luca and Brad Beal it's like well maybe not Brad Beal because <laughs> send those guys back where they came from but you know what I mean like if someone if someone comes up again um you can get in the conversation with those with those salaries. So they're useful to you up to a point. And if you decide they're not useful to you as a number or as a player, you, you can move on from them more easily than you could from pausing guests. So I, I think... I, I, yeah, I agree. I feel better about the Mavs moving forwards after the deadline. They're inarguably worse right now because Bertans, Bertans hasn't been a rotation player. Yeah. And Dinwiddie's been really bad. And Porzingis, for whatever, for I whatever have his blind lim- faith in Bertans, for whatever Porzingis' limitations, like he was still like a good starter when he played. When he played, because when he didn't play, it was like. But now, when he doesn't play because he's not there, you've at least got two warm bodies. Yeah, well, or you know, lukewarm in in Dinwiddie's case. Yeah, I I I will have to be proven wrong for like the fiftieth time on Bertans. I I just. He shot so well, and it looked so good. And he, he made one three against New Orleans the other day. Swear, like swung around the whole entire court, and then even like even though they, I think they switched the the final screen, and like Brendan Ingram got a hand up, he just drained it. And I'm like, he he can do that. One of four last game. Yeah. Uh let's let's see. Let's let's wait and see. Uh, in a better position, the the Wiz. I don't know, man. I need to go to the toilet. Do you want to wrap it up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can wrap. That's a good place. That's a good place to wrap. Um, well, yeah, we've got the aforementioned underwhelming uh, all-star festivities to look forward to. This week. <laughs> I can't fucking wait for it to be over and actual basketball to be back on. I want to watch the three-point contest. Yeah, I mean, sick. Have fun. <laughs> um, but when we come back, when we come back next week, like the basketball will really matter. Yeah. Now, the basketball that we'll be about to watch will really, really matter. We'll be on the verge of seeing KD come back. We'll be on the verge of seeing Ben Simmons. We'll be on the verge of seeing Harden. Like, you know, everything kind of takes on a bit more of a... That's if Simmons can play. Yeah, well, um, I hope he's feeling better. Out of Paddy Mills, Fred Van Vliet, Trey Young, Desmond Bain, Zach Levine, Luke Kennard, CJ McCollum, and Carl Anthony Towns, who wins? Three-point contest. Desmond Bain, Smokey. Uh, I've got uh, Paddy Mills because I'm Australian. Yeah, fair um, enough. 
if all should of those we, should we do should we do a dunk contest prediction or do I have to Google who's in the dunk contest first? You're gonna have to do that second thing. Um, can I try and guess it? Cole, yeah. Cole Anthony, Juan Toscano, Anderson. Uh, have you got it in front of you? Uh, yeah, I'm just fucking on one of those websites where you scroll. Um, Cole Anthony, Juan Toscano, yeah. Anderson. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's the one, one, one player who we've mentioned their name. Obadiah Toppin. Obadiah Toppin. And one player... Obadiah Toppin. One, one player who's a notable G League alum. Ah, uh, is it... Wait, is he in the G League right no, now? No, he's, he's a G League alumnus. Currently playing yeah, yeah, in yeah. the NBA. Jalen Green? Jalen Green. Yeah. Nailed it. Jalen Green will win. Yeah, well, fucking well, he's got to, he's got to beat out <laughs> JTA. Anyway, before we get bogged down in this again, um, let's <laughs> let's wrap. Um, right, I will speak to you next week. Yeah, it's been real. We were over the moon when we first heard that the NBA was going to be televised on Australian free-to-air TV in the 2019-20 season. It didn't exactly go swimmingly with the nasty cough halting the season and games getting cancelled left, right and centre, but it was a huge step and an exciting one for basketball fans all across the country. Better yet, it wasn't a commercial channel cashing in on some basketball nerds like us. It was SBS, one of our public broadcasters. Unfortunately, the NBA wasn't the only thing SBS was pushing last season. They also ran advertisements from Sportsbet, Ladbroke, Bet365, BetEasy and Neds, some of the biggest sports betting companies in Australia. In a one step forwards, two steps backwards move, SBS has dropped the ball here. As a public broadcaster, SBS plays a key role in providing relevant, culturally appropriate health information to local communities. The last thing SBS should be doing is offering a platform for gambling companies during the most financially unstable time in recent memory. This past year, men aged 18 to 24 made up 79% of new gambling account holders with increased median spending and frequency of bets. This is the last thing we should be spending our money on given the financial uncertainty that comes with the pandemic. During COVID lockdowns, wagering companies spent more money on advertising and incentives to gamble, and it worked. SBS needs to hear from viewers that gambling ad revenue isn't worth the harm it causes. Call on the SBS chair, George Savitas, to put community health ahead of gambling revenue by signing the petition at www.endgamblingads.org.au forward slash get gambling off SBS with hyphens in between.